Thank you, Winnie. Thank you, Ben. Oh, look at Ben helping me bring my stand up. Well, that was powerful. Thank you guys for that. Um, I don't know about you, but I love entertainment. I love comics, I love movies, I love books, I love reading, I love social media, I love YouTube. Any and everywhere you can get entertainment, you can get entertained by, I love it, I love it all. Essentially, I'm outing myself as a big nerd and a big entertainment nerd and a big entertainment buff, all of that stuff, um, which is all right. We've all got our hobbies, we've all got our different things that we're interested in. But when I was looking through all these different sort of medias and all these different ways of being entertained, I was finding this trope that kept on coming through a whole heap of them. And this trope that I found was that of the Lone Ranger. You know, the Lone Ranger, the one, we all love that story, the character that's the rebel, the underdog, the one that goes his own way, the one that chooses his own path when everyone else wants him to go another direction. Normally, he has um, people ahead of him, some leaders or some people over the top that are like, no, you can't do that, or it might be a cop who has to hand in his badge, or that kind of character, the Lone Ranger. We all love the Lone Ranger. Whether it's Ethan Hunt from the Mission Impossible series, James Bond, or the Mandalorian, these guys have their own agenda, and we absolutely love hearing from them. We absolutely love watching these stories, reading these books, and finding about these guys. It's a genre that I can't get enough of, and I know a lot of you can't either. If you don't know about this kind of character, The Mandalorian is a story about a bounty hunter who is tasked with getting a bounty for these bad guys. And through a series of events, he finds out that inside it is a child. And then that goes from giving this bounty, following the orders of the rules of the leaders who gave him, he goes along on a quest to save this child and to get this child to be safe. Similarly, Ethan Hunt and James Bond are spies who work for government agencies when the things around them start to get a bit wrong. And they have to turn to a life of trust, no one else but myself. There's double crossing, there's explosions, there's cars, there's driving chases, all of these great things that are going on, heists and all of this stuff. But they have to turn away from these agencies that employed them originally to go do their own thing. It's really desirable for us to follow these sort of characters. We're rooting for them. We want to go like, yeah, yeah, they don't need to have these rulers and we can go along in our own path and this is going to be great. It's really desirable for us. And tonight, as part of our Hidden People of the Bible series, I want to talk about another person who's this Lone Ranger type rebel kind of character. But unlike Star Wars or 007 or Mission Impossible, this one is true and has had far worse consequences. Tonight, I want to talk about King Saul, Israel's first king, the guy that had it all given to him and then he lost it, tried to kill David and set up an example for Lone Rangers in history. Last week, we heard from Anna Van Stralen on some of Israel's other kings, Jeroboam and Rehoboam. And if you were here for that, you would have learned about how these kings were shocking at communicating with one another, shocking at leading, and set a divide and a rift in Israel, dividing it into two different nations. If you haven't, I recommend, highly recommend you go back and watch it and how it relates to the political and social culture of today and how it's fairly similar with a lot of different ways. But for tonight, I want to talk about King Saul. Let's find out about him. The Israelites wanted a human king to rule over them. God, in all of his wisdom, chose to have a hierarchy and a leadership and a kingship where he was at the top, then he would talk with his prophets, who would talk to the elders, who would rule the nations. But the Israelites didn't really like that plan, and around them in the other cultures and nations of the day, they had a human king. So we read in 1 Samuel 8, So all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. They said to him, You are old and your sons do not follow your ways. 
Now appoint a king to lead us, such as the other nations have. But when they said, give us a king to lead us, this displeased Samuel. So he prayed to the Lord, and the Lord told him, listen to all the people are saying to you, it is not you they have rejected, but they have rejected me as their king. So Samuel had to find a guy to fulfill the Israelites' desires. He knew that this wasn't what God intended for his ruling, but, God, since, but since God loved his people, he chose to give them what they wanted, even though it hurt him. So Samuel had to find a guy, and he found Saul. Kish had a son named Saul, as handsome as a young man could be found anywhere in Israel, and he was a head taller than anyone else. The Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him, and he joined in their prophesying. So let's get a profile of this guy, Saul. He was a young man, he was handsome, full of the Spirit, and tall. So think your Zach Ferguson kind of type. He was tall, handsome, strong, perfectly fit for a king. Exactly what you want a leader to look like. Tall, handsome, full of God's spirit, everything that you would want. And Saul, he ruled over Israel for 42 years, and he started out really promising. He was a powerful God, powerful man, backed by God, and in charge of God's royal nation. Things started out well, but as he kept on growing in his kingship and leadership, he had to also continue to grow in his character as a leader and as a king. To quote one of the most famous uncles ever, with great power comes great responsibility. Saul had this great power and this responsibility, this great power to lead God's nation, Israel, and he had the responsibility of giving everything back to God, to follow his word and his calling. God had blessed him with this power, blessed him with this authority and this leadership, and it was Saul's responsibility to give back. But we read that Saul starts to take what God given him for his own advantage. He realized how good the power was, how good the authority was, how good it felt to be in charge. And we read after one of Saul's first messed ups, when he, when he didn't attack a Philistine outpost the way that God intended him to, he kind of just hid and then ran away. We read, Samuel replies to Saul, you have done a foolish thing, Samuel says. You have not kept the command of the Lord your God gave you. If you had, he would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time. But now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought after a man after his own heart and appointed him ruler of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. We can see that Saul was following his own ideas and was traveling and straying further away from God. Saul used his power to his own advantage and, was, and used his God-given gifts to build and edify himself. We continue to see that Saul speaks on behalf of God and we see how Saul is falling away. He was intended to be the big name, the big wig. He was Israel's first king. He was meant to be the one that the line of Israel was going through. If we were to follow this through, that means we would have had Jesus from the line of Saul. But we don't, because Saul chose his own way, and so then he kind of becomes part of the background, part of the noise, part of a hidden person of the Bible. And we hear about David and Jesus from the line of David, because David was the one that was a man after God's own heart. We continue to see in Saul's life the mess-ups that Samuel says to Saul. Now, go attack the Amalekites and totally destroy all that belongs to them. Do not spare them, put to death the men and women, children and infants, cattle and sheep, camels and donkeys. Now, these guys were really bad guys. 
And so God was wanting them to de- for Saul and for Israel to destroy them all. But knowing Saul, he doesn't really like to listen to God much. So although he went and goes and attacks the Amalekites, he sees the goods that are there in offer, and he just completely ignores God's plan. He spares the best of all of the animals, the cattle, the sheep, the camels, the donkeys. He sees the best, and he goes, you know what? I'll take them instead of completely destroying it. He doesn't follow God's law, but instead thinks, I'll just sacrifice an offering to God to say sorry, hoping that forgiveness was better than asking for permission. But out of this, we hear from Samuel about Saul's arrogance against the Lord's desire, that Samuel consults with God and replies, saying that asking and questioning Saul, does the Lord delight in bird offerings and sacrifices as much as obeying the Lord? Or making statements of, it is better to obey than it is to sacrifice. And that therefore, since Saul had rejected the word of the Lord, that God had rejected Saul as king. This is only like five chapters. So Saul has had reign for like five chapters in our Bible. That's not a long time. Like if you were looking at the time of like David and his reign, he had heaps more time of being king. So Saul kind of had his rise, did some dodgy stuff, got wrong, did some more dodgy stuff, got wrong, and now God's like, no, sorry, you're done. That's not good. And we read that now the spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. Now this evil spirit from the Lord, theologians think that it wasn't one that God put in place, but because that God took his Holy Spirit out of Saul, that David or Saul's soul was tormenting him from the anguish and the pain that he had caused. So now we have Saul, who is still king, but he's no longer backed by God, and he continues on this plan of being selfish. And things don't seem like they could get any worse. But along comes David, um, and if you know, if you spend any time at church or in Sunday school or in HDK, you would know that Saul and David had a very, very, very happy relationship with no problems and everything worked out fine and like they all lived happily ever after. Uh, not really, not, not really at all. Um, Saul gets introduced to David during the battle of the, with the Philistines as, and their mighty warrior, Goliath. You might know this story. And Saul is cowering and fearing because there's this giant and none of his army wants to follow Saul because Saul is also fearing. But David steps up and he goes, you know what, I'll fight him. Saul is very excited, so then he brings David aside and he puts all of his armor on David to try to protect him, using his own ideas of protection, which is armor, metal, give him a giant sword, which David resists because he knows that's not going to help him because it doesn't fit him right. And he flees from Saul's desires and then goes with God's, using a stone and a slingshot to defeat the giant. This is the start of their interaction and of their relationship together. David soon rises in the power and becomes a strong warrior in the army of Israel, as well as getting a prophetic call from Samuel to become the new king. And David is also becoming and growing closer into the royal palace by becoming friends with Saul's son, Jonathan. They become best mates and end up having Jonathan follow David and not his father. David also marries Saul's daughter. And so with the trouble that they have, as a newlywed myself, it's been really important to have established 
good relationships with the in-laws. Although I'm really glad that I don't have the relationship that David and Saul had, because that is a lot more awkward than anything else I think ever. Um, As well as David becomes Saul's personal therapy musician, because Saul's tormented spirit needs worship music to worship God, to soothe and calm his soul. Soon, David becomes the fan favorite, the newbie to be king. Everyone starts praising David for his fighting, chanting along with them, and getting really big. This drama between Saul and David would be better than anything on TV, better than any Netflix original. This would be like the fresh king of Israel, or (laughs) keeping up with Saul. It would be amazing. Like, this is really juicy drama. Like, go and read it and find out all there is to do with it. Their lives interlock and interweave in such ways that you're like, ooh, that's not nice. Um, It's great. Um, But Saul continued to do what Saul was doing, choosing to go down a path of what he wanted to do. He didn't have God, and he continued on a destructive path, which caused him to have a calloused heart. In the transition between Saul and David's kingship, while Saul was still king, David kept on rising in leadership and in the army. His popularity continued to rise as he kept and stuck with God during those days. He fought God's battles, sticking close to him, praising him and fighting the battles and asking God what to do, building his kingdom and growing God's nation. We can see that during this time, Saul began to really fear David because God was continually to use David. Saul gets to the point where his fury overtakes him, and he's like, you know what, that's it, I'm going to kill him. I'm just going to kill him. And then he talks with his assistants about how he could do that. And David continues to flee Saul's anger during this time. And in this time, David manages to seek God, writing a lot of the Psalms that we read in our Bible. Saul is in full fury at this point, focused on destroying this one man. He's still also king and having to do and lead this nation, but his sole focus is to destroy and kill David. But we see one moment of self-awareness in Saul's pursuit. As David follows Saul into a cave where he was relieving himself, and we see that David hides out and then cuts a corner off of his cape and then confronts Saul outside, sharing about how he's asking and sparing for his life, pleading for his life, for Saul to stop. And we see, when David finished saying this, Saul asked, is that your voice, David, my son? And he wept aloud. You are more righteous than I, he said. You have treated me well, but I have treated you badly. We see this really special moment of vulnerability here from Saul, where David seems to get through with him. David had a chance to kill Saul, and end the drama, and bring peace, and just become the next king. But that's not what God wanted. And so God continues to work through David, and Saul continues to grow and fester, and just becomes more calloused and tries other ways to kill David. This is very short-lived. But let's just remember that still at this point, Saul is king. David is still just one of the leaders in the ranks. Saul is still having to fight the different nations, the Philistines, the Amalekites, the... um, other ites that were out there of the different nations. There were a lot of them. Um, and so he was fighting them. And so for um, Saul's final moments, we read, Now the Philistites, Philistines fought against Israel, and the Israelites fled before them. And many fell dead on Mount Gilboa. The Philistines were in hot pursuit of Saul and his sons, and they killed his sons, Jonathan, Abinadab, and Malachishua. The fighting grew fierce around Saul, and when the archers overtook him, they wounded him critically. 
Saul said to his armor-bearer, draw your sword and run me through, or these uncircumcised fellows will come and run me through and abuse me. But the armor-bearer was terrified and would not do it. So Saul took his own sword and fell on it. And when the armor-bearer saw that Saul was dead, he too fell on his sword and died with him. So Saul and his three sons and his armor-bearer and all the men died together that day. That's the end of Saul's story. Saul's lineage lasts for a couple more generations, but dies out in the next couple. And we don't really hear much about Saul or his descendants much after that. That was it. That's Saul's story. He had a large rise of becoming the first king of Israel. This is a big deal. This was not God's intended way, but he followed what his children were asking and gave them a king. And then he messed it up. He took it all for himself. He felt the importance of the power and the authority, and he loved it, and he chose to follow his own way and not follow what God wanted. He took this Lone Ranger approach of not listening to Samuel or God, who were his leaders in that moment, choosing to go down his own path. But instead of becoming the hero at the end of the story, he falls and dies and loses it all. He started out so well, being tall, wise, handsome, just again like Zach. But unlike Zach, he chose his own way and took God's gifts and used them to his own advantage, taking and gaining the power and authority, but ignoring God's plans and choosing to focus on himself, trusting in his own understanding. This continued to God to shift the legacy of Israel and the king of Israel from Saul to David. And that led to a terrible end without much lineage for Saul to go on. And we see this type of story a lot in our modern day, as I said. It's in a lot of entertainment. I love it. But we see it. But we also see it in real life too. In Hollywood and in the music industry, there's a young artist or a young person and they rise up in the ranks. You see them in all the films and then they become super popular and they're a celebrity and then they're out partying and then they win the awards and then they just kind of like fizzle out or they go a bit crazy and then you kind of just want to ignore them on social media and you just don't really like listen to them anymore. But are we so much different than that? Do we follow all of the desires that God has for us? We've been given everything we need by God to do his works. He has blessed us with gifts, talents, and skills to honor him and to build his kingdom. If we only had Saul as an example of how we should live, we'd be totally screwed. Like, we would, we'd have that story and we'd be like, all right, cool, what do we do? Uh, just don't do that, that's not great. Even if we had David or some of the other kings, we wouldn't have much to go off of we would have a few good stories to kind of go, yep, that looks like it's a great idea. But luckily God knew this, and he gave his son, Jesus, to be the perfect example of how to live. But not just that. It was a way for us to be connected with God forever, to have eternal life through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we read, although Saul used his gifts to build himself up and to build his own legacy and kingdom, which fell apart, Jesus did nothing without his father and nothing without his father's input and we read in john 5 jesus gave them this answer very truly i tell you the son can do nothing by himself he can only do what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does the son does also jesus had access to the same spirit that saul had and that god blessed him with and the same one that we have as well everything jesus did everything that his father asked him of 
to do. He built God's kingdom, professed the truth, denying himself a life of power and riches and giving it all to God and to others. He is our life example and the one who was the perfect king. Jesus didn't go full Lone Ranger. He followed what God had asked him to do. He listened and sought time out to spend time with God, using the gifts and talents God blessed him with to help others. He didn't rebel from the plans of his father. And this wasn't to make him a good boy. It wasn't that he had to listen to his dad. It wasn't because of that, but because he knew the importance of what his father was building. He knew the importance of the kingdom and the legacy that his father was doing. The fact that we're in here, in church, and that I can say to you that Jesus Christ is Lord is lineage and example of how this has worked for generations and millennia. To apply ourselves into this context of Jesus, Paul sums this up very appropriately in his letters to the Philippians. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking at your own interests, but to each of the interests of the others. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Saul was chosen because of his potential and was given it all, and he chose to choose what was best in his own eyes. We have also been chosen by God to do his work. He loves all of us and has blessed us with many gifts and talents to give him glory. Examples could be gifts of singing or generosity or playing music or prophecy or having time or serving or loving or leadership or hospitality or administration. The list goes on and on and on of things that God has blessed us with. So how are we using these gifts? Are we using them to build up God's kingdom or are they building us up? Are we building ourselves up? Are we living our life with that lone ranger mentality, using and taking what God's blessed us with and running off to do our own thing, thinking we know better than God, and using our own ideas and taking God's gifts? In the lead-up to this message, I was going through these questions and asking myself and applying myself to this, and I was honestly quite surprised because I was humbled time and time again by God about areas of my life that I was doing this, that there were times where... I was being really upset or I needed advice and I'd be searching on social media or on the internet or asking people and not consulting God, the creator of the universe. Or times where I needed wisdom and I would just try to sort it out myself and thinking I knew my own understanding was enough and times that I just wouldn't get it instead of reading God's word or praying. Or even times where I would be doing God's ministry and wondering why the end of it I was tired and feeling distant because I was doing it out of my own strength. We're all partial to leaning on what feels comfortable and steady in the moment, but ultimately it'll fall beneath us if it's not from God. And you might be saying, well, we see successful people in the world that don't have Jesus or aren't Christian or don't know God. And that might be true. But what Saul's story teaches us is that it's much better to lead and to be led and to be successful with God. And ultimately what matters is that we honour God's call and God's plans for our life, however that might look like in our own context, which might not look exactly the same as it would to the outside world. 
The impact we make when building God's kingdom and the legacy is way better than power, money, authority, or success that we would get in the outside world. I was recently reminded of this verse, which is so poignant to this theme. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make the path straight. I'll invite the band up now. God has given us so much. It isn't on us to boast in this, but to give God the glory and to focus on his tasks for us, not our own desires. Saul abused this by choosing and taking God's power and his own authority and his own ideas and using the blessings and gifts from God for his own gain, being selfish and arrogant, and then getting jealous when others were doing well because they were empowered by God. And God might plant desires in your heart that would seem really aligned with you because God loves us and moves us in a way that will allow us to walk in the same line with him. So this is a question I want to leave with you guys tonight. What has God given you? Reflect on whether you're using these gifts for God and for his kingdom or are you using them for yourself and your own selfish gain? A few examples could be if he's given you the gift of hospitality and you love having people around, why not start a connect group or join and host an alpha course? There are many people here who can help you with that. If he's blessed you with the gift of speaking, why not find ways to evangelize and share his truth? That could be online, in church, in school, in work. There are many different ways. If he has blessed you with leadership, why not find ways, and there are plenty of ministries here or in other places. If if he's gifted you with generosity, there are many organizations and places that you would be able to give and share and build God's kingdom through gifts. And if he's blessed you with patience and you want to empower the next generation, then maybe kids or youth ministry would be a great place for you as well. And my final point of the night is, are there any areas that we need to humble ourselves and seek what God's doing for our lives, what his plans are for us? Because I know that I do. So let me pray. Dear Lord, we thank you that you are in control. We thank you that we don't have to be like Saul and that our legacy and lineage can be in you. We pray, Lord, that we can follow you and your calling of your life. May we be able to hear your call and walk in that. May we not do our own thing, Lord, but follow what you've called all of us individually to build your kingdom and to grow us, Lord. We thank you that we are one body, Lord, but many parts. And we thank you, Lord, that through different parts and each and every one of us that we can build and grow your kingdom here on earth. Thank you that you have given us everything we need and we thank you for Jesus. We just praise you, Lord, for who you are and we just pray, Lord, that you'll help us this week to walk in step with you. We ask this, Lord Jesus, in your mighty name.